Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. I am your host, with the most, Chris. So, I know this past week I have been a little bit behind on the TikTok videos, and some of you that do follow me on TikTok, if you don't, kind of how I do it is I break up some pieces from the previous episode and post them all over my social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you guys go give me a follow there. And that's where it goes. This past week, I wasn't able to do it as much because I was on spring break. So if you guys caught the last episode, you guys saw the beautiful beach in the background. You hear the seagulls flying. I had some shades on. I didn't have a regular t-shirt. I had a little bit of a muscle shirt going. You know, kind of relaxing. And that was the whole point. I am still a college student. So that was my week for spring break. And anybody else that was on, you know, having spring break, if you're in college, high school, elementary, you name it, you guys kind of get the point I'm getting at here. It was kind of a little bit difficult to make the videos or at least be as consistent because I was with family and friends. It was that kind of that time to spend, you know, with everybody. So with that being said, now going forward um, until anything else pops up, I will be more consistent with the videos coming up, especially like for YouTube. It won't be as posted uh, super late. I know I posted the last podcast on YouTube kind of late along with Spotify and Amazon Music. If any of you were waiting for that, I do apologize. Like I said, I was with family and friends, so I was not able to get to that, you know, as fast just because I wanted to spend time with my parents and my family and friends just because I haven't seen them in a while. And, you know, I kind of value that personal time I try to have with people. So that's kind of what happened, if any of you were curious about that. But from now on, until anything else happens, the videos will be consistently uploaded to YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, Spotify, Amazon Music, everything. It will be uploaded pretty, you know, more of a consistent schedule. It won't be anything kind of crazy uh, from now on up until something else happens. But I just want to let you guys know in case you guys were wondering what happened, you know, why wasn't there many TikTok videos in the last one or if there was, you know, any kind of situation going on. It wasn't anything, I promise. Um, it was just I was spending time with my family and friends and having a great time during spring break. So that was why the videos weren't as consistent. But I promise we will keep up with them from now on. Going on to some next order of business. If you guys saw my TikTok yesterday on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all that good stuff, I did make the announcement that we did acquire a new sponsor for the podcast, Goldmine Collectibles. I wanna welcome them officially on this episode. They are now the second sponsor for the podcast. I'm very excited. If you guys kinda missed the TikTok video I made, they are a local Lubbock store located on 50th Street and Lubbock. They sell some awesome things such as wrestling figures, Funko Pops, comic books, and more. So if you guys see in the background here, if, you, if you're on YouTube or if you're listening to this on Spotify or Amazon Music, in the background, I typically have like Funko Pops, my collection, stuff like that. I even have some wrestling figures. If you guys have seen, I have Cody Rhodes figures and I, you can't see it in the camera or uh, I'll explain it. I do have a figure above me that is actually from Goldmine Collectibles and some of the Funko Pops behind me are actually from the store. So if you guys are kind of wondering about that, so they're a great place to go to. If you're in the Lubbock area, they also have a website but they are the newest sponsor of the podcast and I just wanted to welcome them. So thank you Goldmine Collectibles for sponsoring the podcast and I'm welcome in. So moving on to another thing uh, with Goldmine Collectibles, just to wrap it up, I do have some exciting stuff planned with the sponsors so make sure you guys stay tuned for the podcast going later on in the year. We have some great things that are gonna happen. I'm very excited for this new sponsorship. Like I said, we got a lot of things planned, so make sure you guys stick around to hear what's going to happen. But enough tape, enough table talk. You guys are here for what I'm here for, what's going on in the sports world. So I'm going to talk about two topics before I get to some NFL stuff. That's obviously what I talk about mainly here. I got my Cowboys clothing on, a lot of big news from them, but we will get to that later in the episode. So first off, March Madness has started there's not much to say. My bracket got busted. I will be the first to admit it. My bracket got busted. The team I chose to win it all, I believe I picked Arizona. They lost in the first round. So I look like a fool in front of everybody because my bracket busted day one. This is the second year in a row this has happened. I believe I had Kentucky going pretty far last year and they lost in the first round. And then Purdue losing and Kansas is out. It, it's been a weird... It's been kind of weird this past March, and it's been a real big 
loss on my end, especially since I love participating in March Madness. And I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta love college basketball for that. You know, the Cinderella stories that no one really expects or not a lot of people expect them to beat, you know, these top contending teams or they can kind of at least keep up with them and they just upset. Upsets, upsets, Cinderella stories, you name it, that's college basketball in March. And I mean, it frustrates me. I know it frustrates every one of you whenever your bracket gets busted, especially if you were on pace to have a perfect bracket and it breaks. And that's always, you know, the frustrating part of it, but it's also the beauty of college basketball. So I'm not going to hate it too much, but I just wanted to give an update on that. I know I wasn't able to post what my bracket was, but I, my winner was going to be Arizona. Not anymore because they're out. So that was very, that was very humbling, I guess. But it was, oh, man, it was just... It was just heartbreaking seeing some of the games because it was like, to me, it's just so crazy that these teams are able to compete and, you know, some of them get more national attention than others and they come in and upset these teams. I think that's just, you know, blows my mind. I know college football compared to it in intercollegiate sports, it's a little bit more, you know, you can kind of go with a safe bet that some, like one team's going to beat the other, you know, sometimes, you know, Cinderella stories happen or sometimes they get the big, you know, someone gets the episode. Appalachian State was a perfect example this past season for football, but basketball, you just see it consistently. And I think that's like one of the most, you know, the greatest thing about college basketball. But to end on that note, I, I, let me guys, let me know how you guys did in your, in your March Madness brackets. I'm very, I'm very like interested to see like how everybody else did. I know there were some people that said that they picked the upsets to get it but obviously you can't predict what goes further into the future i think like to me like you can kind of guess the round of 64. i think like that one you can kind of like guess who you're gonna get for upsets but i think when it goes into the round of 32 sweet 16 elite eight final four i think that's a little bit harder to, to guess in my opinion because it's like you can't see that far you know like maybe in the round of 64 you can get lucky you know pick that random upset like Princeton with Purdue, you know, and stuff like that. I think it's a little bit easier, but like once you kind of start going down the line, you're kind of more, okay, now I got to think about this. At least that's how I go about it on my end. That's kind of how I, you know, how I kind of approach the brackets whenever they come around every year. So, I mean, maybe you guys do something different. Maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe, maybe, because I have a sibling uh, sister and she did college basketball once and it was 2019. It was the year Virginia and Texas Tech were, uh, in the championship game and she almost got it right she was the only one that picked texas tech to go that far and it was very shocking because i didn't even pick i think i picked duke to go really far and they got eliminated like in the sweet 16 and tech almost won the championship and my sister was the only one in our household to get that so i think that's pretty awesome and just shows may, maybe you just maybe just don't watch college basketball and just fill it up a, a bracket you probably you may have a better chance than maybe some of like the bracketology people or the diehard fans you may have a better shot at probably getting a perfect bracket in my opinion but march madness is here it's it's awesome it's great and it's a lot of fun my bracket's busted so i'm just gonna see probably watch the sweet 16 round and kind of who goes you know who keeps advancing just because i do like that's a little bit more of an exciting time then with you know 64 games or you know all going you know like eight of them going all at once and you gotta you know kind of flip-flop from where you're watching from one team to another i think that's just a little bit of a pain in my opinion so i kind of just pick the games i want to watch and then go from there but definitely into the later rounds of the tournament i do tend to pay more attention to what's going on so i'm very excited to see and i'm i'm curious now i think it's up in the air who's going to get the national championship now it could be anybody it could be houston it could be texas Speaking Zaga, I think I think they're gonna be I think though they're pretty they're pretty up in line to get it, but we'll have to wait and see. And you guys make sure let me know. Wait, how did you guys do in your brackets? Are you did you guys bust in the first day? Did you guys pick the Cinderella stories to go pretty far? Let me know on what's going on. Next up. Hey everybody, I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, one guy from Italy on university. One guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally, I go order. The house calzone is my favorite. And also, they have been voted to have the best calzones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy from Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. The World Baseball uh, champ, uh, Classic has been, fin has been concluded. Japan ended up, ups not upsetting, but they beat Team USA. Now, I'm, I'm not really surprised in my opinion, and here's why. Because of one person, Shohei Otani. I think that Shohei Otani is probably the best baseball player in the MLB. 
he's definitely one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters. And I think he proved it in the World Baseball Classic this year because of how he played. And he went up against Mike Trout, another great baseball player who plays on the same team as Shohei, and he struck him out to win the game. And that's just the biggest clutch up I've ever seen. I know he went to close, and I don't think he, I think he rarely closes uh, during during the regular season. He's not a closer. I believe he starts, uh, he always starts most of the time. He's more of a starting pitcher than a closer. So definitely, it's a different mindset. If you've ever played baseball, or if you understand the game of baseball, maybe if you don't know, obviously with baseball, it's a different mindset when you start the game, pitching-wise, and when you when when you finish the game because when you start you know you kind of you know you have a lot of pitches to work with you can take a deep breath kind of find your rhythm and go from there i think when you're closing pitching it's the worst because you got to be in the right mindset immediately because you got to finish the game and i think that's like one of the hardest things to do at least in sports to come in and close out a game for pitching it's completely difficult and it's very different from how maybe like coming in as a quarterback and getting that last second drive to win the game you know it's the same kind of jitters but you got to come in already in that right mindset that you're going to finish this game out or you're going to extend you know get your team out of this inning to just try to set them up for the win and that's what Shohei did he went in you know to as a closer got Mike Trout out and finished the game and that's that's just impressive coming from Shohei. I know for the past couple of years he's been really good. In my opinion, I think he's like and when he when he first started emerging, I thought he was probably going to be like one of the best baseball players in the league. Now, I think with what happened to the World Baseball Classic, I think it's safe to say he's probably the best baseball player on the planet just because of how great of a pitcher he is, just pitching by himself. A lot of pitchers that you know, play baseball, a lot of them don't have to worry about batting because they all, most of the time, they're just going to pitch them, you know, rather than batting. Shohei can do both. He had a great batting average last season and the season prior. He has a great pitching percentage and he's all around a great player. And he showed it on the biggest stage in the World Classic. And especially since, you know, Mike Trout, who's on his same team and he's probably considered the best baseball player on the planet. Now he now he has competition or he has to move over because Shohei is here. And kind of like another thing with Shohei, I do think the only thing that's bad with him, not with his game, it's just really with the team he's on. For the Los Angeles Angels, for you guys who don't know, he he's the pitcher for them. And I think the only problem with him being with the Angels is that he doesn't get as much national uh, national coverage, like say maybe the New York Yankees, the LA Dodgers. The Boston Red Sox. You guys get what I'm getting at here. He, they don't have like that, that great national attention. And even the seasons he's played and pitched and bat, they've not made the playoffs with him once since he's been with the Angels. Even with Mike Trout, he was there. He's been there for a while, and he's only gone to the uh, postseason once, and he got swept by Can the, by the Kansas City Royals. And that was, you know, that's already incredible to know that he's, you know, one of the best players. It's just the team is not. You know, they're not getting to where they need to be. But on another note, though, I think that Shohei is, you know, whenever his contract's coming up, he's going to get paid. There's no way Shohei Otani's not going to get paid. He's probably going to get like a $50 million a year contract, hands down. Someone's going to pay a lot of money for him, whether it be the Angels or whether it be the Yankees that try to go get him or the Red Sox or any other bigger team. You know, he's going to be a hot commodity whenever, you know, free agency for baseball comes around for him. And definitely the Angels are going to try to fork up some money to keep him around, especially just the rare talent he has, you know, being a great pitcher and a great hitter, both at the same time, I think is like one of the most fantastic things that can ever happen for a baseball player. Now, a little hot take here, a little bit. I think some people may agree with me, but I think it's a little bit of a hot take. I honestly think that you put him and Babe Ruth together. I think he's a little bit better than the Babe, than the, than the great Bambino. Here's why. Here's why I think so. Because during the time Babe Ruth played, I'm not going to knock how great of a player he is. You know, he was a fantastic player with the Red Sox and with the Yankees, winning all those championships with both teams. You know, he was he was fantastic. But I will say the one thing that I kind of noticed and what someone else also pointed out was the people he played during that time period. For those of you who don't know, Babe Ruth played like when segregation was still a thing. 
you know, before Jackie Robinson came in and broke the color barrier. He wasn't playing against the Latino players. He wasn't playing with the African-American players because they all had their own separate league or they weren't even playing. They weren't even close to playing on American soil. And I think that's the biggest difference between Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani has played against some of the best baseball players in the world in the MLB, you know, from the Latin players and the African-American players, different kinds of, you know, different players from around the world that have come to the MLB to play. I know uh, the Dominican Republic, they have a very heavy, like, baseball presence in MLB. So definitely keeping that in mind, he goes up against really good talent. Babe Ruth didn't go up against that kind of talent whenever he was playing because of, like I said, it was the time during the time period he was in. Segregation was still a thing. I believe uh, Jackie Robinson, no, I not I believe, I know. Jackie Robinson wasn't there yet. He didn't break the color barrier just yet when Babe Ruth was still there, when he was playing for the Red Sox and when he got traded to the Yankees and all that good stuff. It's just, it's just incredible to see, you know, Shohei being able to compete with these top players, you know, more than Babe Ruth has. Babe Ruth, now don't get me wrong, Babe Ruth has gone up against some really good players for his time, but how many, you know, how many great players that play in the MLB now compared to what Babe had to go through back in the 1900s? I think, I think it's just, you know, it's night and day, literally, because, you know, different ethnicities now play in the MLB compared to what it was in the 1900s during the Babes era. So, Keeping that in mind, and to kind of wrap it up on this one, I do believe that Shohei Otani is probably going to be go down as one of the best baseball players to ever play. Great pitcher, great hitter. The Los Angeles Angels, you better pay him the money. Don't be, don't pull a Lamar Jackson problem. But congratulations to Japan and Shohei Otani for winning the World Baseball Classic. So moving on to now the NFL, getting those two topics out of the way, let's talk about some NFL stuff going on. As you guys see it, I got my Dallas Cowboys hat, my brand new Dallas Cowboys t-shirt from the star. That was actually one of the things I did do this past weekend when I was back home. I went to the Frisco, Texas uh, training facility over there at the star. I went there and toured it. It was fantastic. Actually, fun fact, uh, the day Cooper Rush signed his contract to re-sign for the Cowboys, I was actually there for a tour and I saw him there in the lobby or he was like downstairs getting ready to go sign his contract. And I thought that was like one of the coolest things, you know, ever. Cause you got to see someone actually, you know, go up and go sign it. We didn't go in the room with him. Like it wasn't that far. Cause I believe the facility doesn't allow that, but you know, we were able to see, you know, we kind of saw him and then we saw later on uh, that was posted. He resigned. I was like, Oh, that's probably why he was here. So it was a really great experience. If you guys are ever there to go see the star and it, it doesn't matter if you keep root for the Cowboys or not, they're very awesome. I think the tour guides are, you know, you know great set of people that know their knowledge and stuff i've got to take pictures all over the facility uh in certain parts of the facility some places not really but i mean they tell you but i think it's just a great experience and i want to thank the cowboys organization for you know having that you know available for people if you want to go take a tour i know i love taking a tour there so i just want to thank the dallas cowboys for that and i had an absolute great time would definitely do it again but enough of my spring break week last week we're going on to the dallas cowboys here so, all I have to say is, what's going on with Jerry Jones? Because this is not the Jerry Jones I know. The Jerry Jones I know sits on free agency. We'll sit there and, you know, spread rumors we're going to go get someone and then we don't get anybody. The Jerry Jones I know would just wait till we go to the draft. The Jerry Jones that I know would not go trade for good talent. The Jerry Jones I know would just say, we're going to go to the draft and get these players because we know we can do it. Now, don't get me wrong. Jerry Jones, drafting-wise, is incredible. He's drafted the most pro bowlers in NFL history. But we need help. We needed, you know, more veterans, some free agents. Go trade for someone. Cowboys Nation, including myself, has been asking for that, especially with players, you know, and holes we needed to fill. And, try, you know, and you don't want to try to go in the draft because it's not a guarantee that they're going to be good. It's not a you know it's not always a guarantee that they're going to be you know these star-studded players coming out of college. It just isn't. It's always a gamble. That's how the NFL draft is. It's a giant gamble with players coming in. You know that's why they have the free agency market. That's why you're allowed to trade for players. And you know, and now Jerry Jones is doing what he's what's you know shocking to us all. He's getting players. 
and not players from the draft because we're far from that or we're about a month away from that, but he's getting people in free agency. He's resigning people. He's trading for people. We just got a new addition to the Dallas Cowboys offense. We traded for Brandon Cooks. I could not believe it whenever I found out we traded for Brandon Cooks for only a fifth and a sixth draft pick. And I thought that was awesome considering last season we were going to try to get him and the Texans wanted a third round pick. So we wasted less draft cap, uh, draft draft picks to get him. I mean, yes, two is more than one, but I'd rather have a third round pick than maybe a fifth that we got from a complimentary thing and a sixth. It's just incredible. And I was so ecstatic to hear Brandon Cooks was coming. Now, I know there was a lot of talk and buzz about us going to get Odell or uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, but I know giving up a first-round pick would have been a lot to Jerry Jones, but I don't mind Brandon Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks is one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league right now. Let me, just, let me just give you some of the stats. He's been in the league for a very long time. Let's start with the Saints. 2014-2016, he had 215 catches, 2,861 yards, and 21 total touchdowns just in his tenure. Next, we're going to go on to the Patriots. 65 catches, over 1,000 yards wide uh, receiving, and 7 touchdowns. I believe that was the year they went to the, the Super Bowl, and he got injured, and they lost to the Eagles. Next, he went to the Rams. 122 catches, 1,787 yards, and 8 touchdowns from 2018 to 2019. Now going to Houston, where he was just at. This past two, 2020 to 2022, 228 catches, 2,886 yards, and 15 touchdowns. You can't tell me that's not, you know, that's not great numbers. There's no way anyone can tell me that that's not fantastic numbers, especially for him being in the league for as long as he's been in the league is absolutely incredible. I think that him coming in is definitely going to help the offense. This is exactly what we needed because he's a he's incredibly fast. He's a speedster. He can get downfield and beat the corners and safeties deep. He's another he's a great wide receiver too to help complement CeeDee Lamb because of CeeDee Lamb's difference in play style. When you kind of line them up with between him and CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb is a great route runner. He has great speed, great uh catch after uh you know contact after the catch you know he can work in the slot he can work inside the middle of the field awesome but now you have a deep threat to worry about because that was our biggest problem when we went up against san francisco when we went up against san francisco our only hope at wide receiver was cd lamb i thought noah brown got the ball way too much whenever he was here last season i thought there were times he should have not got the ball and whenever we try to get to cd lamb we saw how covered he was he had to work hard to to get open. Michael Gallup hasn't been the same since he came back off the uh, ACL injury. It's going to take a while, which I do understand, but you know, he wasn't himself last season. Now, with Brandon Cooks coming in, Brandon Cooks can now take over wide receiver two. It can help out CeeDee Lamb because now defenses have to pick their poison. Now they have to either go up against Brandon Cooks and guard the deep ball or guard CeeDee Lamb, cover the middle of the slant or in the, you know, in the slot position. Because now you got to pick your poison with those two wide receivers. And Gallup won't have that much pressure as he did whenever he was a wide receiver too. He won't have that, you know, I have to make the big play. Or, you know, he has to come back and try to look like he was his old self again after the ACL injury. Now he doesn't have to worry about that with the addition of Brandon Cooks. Now, do I think this is going to be a scary offense? I don't think we're going to be like the absolute best in the NFL because we still have to go up against, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He can make any he can make any wide receiver work in that offense. I know the Eagles are coming back with almost their full team. You know, they had a fantastic offense last season with how Sirianni ran it. But we're going to be dangerous with that wide receiving core, you know, and Tony Pollard that got franchise tagged. He's going to be great. And the only thing is really just going to be Dak Prescott because of last season. I'm not I'm not giving up on Dak completely i know early in the podcast a while back i'm not completely done with Dak prescott but we're getting there but now that we're getting you know talent now we're getting people to help him out it's going to be do or die time for Dak prescott because now he can't have an excuse of it and i know before it was always well his big contracts eating everything up zach martin's contract was eating everything up now that they both restructured their contracts now they can bring in this talent to help out the offense and it's going to be fantastic now i also think that this is a result of the amari cooper trade i think that jerry also realized that trading amari cooper was a mistake because when amari wasn't productive guess who was cd lamb 
If CeeDee Lamb wasn't as productive, who was it? Amari Cooper. They complemented each other so well. I think they're kind of in, in line, a similar play style wide receivers. I do like CD a little bit more. I love CD whenever he was in college. I've been a big fan of his for a while. You know, and Amari Cooper, the Raiders gave up on him. They traded him away for a number one for a number one pick and all that. And I think he was great in Dallas. But there were times where Amari wasn't great. You know, he was taken out of the game. I know the Patriots uh, game was a big example. Whenever he got taken out, and CD Lamb had to come up with the bit with a catch for the win in overtime. And that and that's what I was kind of getting at is that. Even when he had a bad game, CeeDee Lamb was still available. Or Michael Gallup. You took... Mari Cooper got traded last, se uh, last season. We didn't have him. We were struggling to move the ball through the air because it was CeeDee Lamb or bust. Noah Brown got too many targets, in my opinion. Michael Gallup wasn't the same wide receiver. Uh, Washington wasn't back. It, it was a mess. You know, Tony Pollard had to get a lot of carries. So did uh, Zeke to an extent. And it was just that. And then also with... Dak getting injured, it, it was a mess. But now with Brandon Cooks coming in, he's definitely going to open up a lot of possibilities for this offense, especially with his deep speed threat and how bad he can beat corners with just his speed alone. That's not even considering his route running that he can do. You know, the deep post, the skinny post, the out route. You know, he can, you know, running screen plays is going to be fantastic with him because of how fast he is. So I'm very excited for Brandon Cooks to come in. And Brandon Cooks... Welcome to the Dallas Cowboys and Cowboys Nation opens our arms wide open for you coming in. Keep talking about the Dallas Cowboys. They signed another player. Ronald Jones from the from the Kansas City Chiefs has now with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a little bit more shocked than anything with this uh with this pickup because of you know we released Ezekiel Elliott last uh last week. And now we needed a running back. I thought we were going to go for Bijan. I thought, like, initially we're going to go draft Bijan Robinson and pair him with Tony Pollard. But now getting Ronald Jones as a, you know, he's a veteran. He was with the Buccaneers for a while. He was in Kansas City last season. And that's going to be a little bit helpful, in my opinion, in case anything happens or we don't get Bijan Robinson. We have another running back to pair with Tony Pollard. Let me give you some of his stats. For the time he was with the Buccaneers, he had 488 carries, 2,174 yards, 18 touchdowns, and that was from 2018 to 2021. Now, with the Chiefs, he wasn't that great, 17 carries, 70 yards, and one touchdown, but that was because of Jared McKinnon, you know, being an all-around running back, and obviously Isaiah Pachenko going off this past season, and then Clyde's Edward Hilaire wasn't, you know, he was injured and he was out, but he was still a more productive running back then. Ronald Jones whenever he came in, but he has a Super Bowl ring now, so that's awesome to hear and, you know, having him come in. And like I said, it just helps out Tony Pollard because that way Tony Pollard won't have to get the forefront of all the carries. He won't have to be the one that has to get, like, 28 carries a game. He can always try to split it with Ronald Jones, or he can always, you know, if they want to use Ronald Jones exactly how they use Ezekiel Elliott, you know, the third, third and ones, the third and goals, the fourth and inches, the fourth and goal at the one yard line or the half yard line they want to use him to get kind of power his way through there i think that's just going to go a long way because obviously you know i don't think ronald jones is on the same level as tony pollard in the expense uh in terms of how tony pollard plays he's great outside the tackles he has great speed and you know he could hit the hole but I think Ronald Jones will be better, you know, in those jumbo packages to try to get the first down. I know one of the biggest concerns was like his kind of his fumbling issue. But I think with now less carries, he doesn't have to be the forefront of a running back offense. Obviously, he was doing well until Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette came in. Leonard Fournette took over. And, you know, we went from there. And then same thing with Jared McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco taking over for Kansas City. And he slowly, 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 his production went down. So now with him coming to Dallas, he has the opportunity to kind of either revive his career a little bit or at least help out Tony Pollard, especially since Mike McCarthy's going to want to run the ball a lot more. I think Ronald Jones is definitely going to help. But Ronald Jones, welcome to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm very excited. Next up, go to keep talking about the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys were able to re-sign Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler, you know, he did, I think he did, uh, you know, good enough this past season. He had, did have six sacks. And it just helps with D-line depth. It really does because it, it's just going to help, you know, kind of get people in and out. So, 
and you know we won't have to get tired Dilo, uh, he's getting older he has to be you know hopefully he doesn't have to be in there so long Dante Fowler can always come in and you know always help you know help disrupt with that defensive line and also he was he's a disciple of Dan Quinn you know he was there with Dan Quinn and the Falcons whenever they went to the Super Bowl and he has a great relationship and I think that's the key thing with the Dallas Cowboys right now, at least from the defense, because they were able to keep a lot of key players from their defense this year. And I think that's the big thing is Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn being added to the defense as a defensive coordinator has been a big, big help because he's able to just work on the defense. I know when he was a head coach, he was struggling because he had to worry about it a little bit more things. But now him coming in as a Dallas defensive coordinator has just changed everyone's life for the better and now with Dante coming back I'm sure that was one of the biggest reasons for him resigning was because of Dan Quinn being there still being the defensive coordinator after getting numerous offers to be a head coach somewhere else he decided to stay he said I have unfinished business and it's just exciting to hear that so Dante Fowler resigned with the Dallas Cowboys so welcome back to Dallas Dante Fowler and it's going to be great for our defense overall because with the addition of Gilly, Stefan Gilmore, when we traded for him for the Colts, I think that's going to make our corner duo scary, especially since he's a great lockdown corner. Trayvon Diggs is the ball hawk. I think they just complement each other so well with this defense, how Dan Quinn wants to run it. Because especially if, those, if that front four can go get to the quarterback fast, oh man, it, and if they can lock down corners or wide receivers, I apologize, just hold them for a while, it's going to be a scary scary time for offenses going up against the Dallas Cowboys especially if you see who we have in our division alone you know the Eagles themselves are already going to be a hassle with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and we kind of saw what happened whenever uh whenever our corner went down Anthony Brown we saw what happened we were not able to you know recover on the right side while Trayvon had a man to the left so now with with Stephon Gilmore coming in, it just helps that defense get stronger. I know the defense, in my opinion, was one of our strongest points last season. They were historically great for a while. They were the number one defense. And now I think they just got a whole lot better with Gilmore, along with re-signing Leighton Van Der Esch and Donovan Wilson, which I'm very excited about because I thought we were going to let the Wolf Hunter go. And I thought we were going to try to maybe go get Bobby Wagner. I thought that was going to maybe be our options here. And I, I was going to figure that Donovan Wilson might come back just because he does like playing in Dallas. I know he loves Dan Quinn. Just everyone on that defense loves Dan Quinn. And I believe everyone in the organization player-wise just loves Dan Quinn. I think he's a great personality to have. You know, he compliments Mike McCarthy, who's a little bit more old school and more quiet and vigor. And he's a little bit more youthful, excited. He has the cap turned around, calling defenses from high above. And I think he's just been a great addition for the Dallas Cowboys. And now keeping the same defense, basically adding on to our weak, adding on from our weakest position, the other corner is just definitely going to make this defense scary. And I'm very very excited so but hey bobby wagner's still available don't let us get bobby wagner so we get bobby wagner manning the middle move Leighton van der Esch to outside linebacker with the lion micah parsons oh ho, ho. no no one's gonna want to touch the dallas cowboys defensively now like i said the, i think the biggest thing is that with Dak prescott's turnovers are the defense is the defense gonna be able to keep up I think they will because of what happened in the playoff game with the 49ers. Even though Dak was turning over the ball, the defense was able to hold the 49ers hot offense with Brock Purdy and not let him score, you know, averaging 30, like 30, almost 30 points or over 30 points a game. They were able to hold them to a very like low score. I believe they were able to hold them to 20 to the fourth quarter, somewhere around there, if I remember correctly. But now with Gilmore coming in, great lockdown wide receiver and I think also it's going to be a great mentoring thing for Trayvon because I know that's one of the biggest things he wanted to upgrade in his game was being able to do man-to-man -man coverage because we've seen how great his ball hawking skills is he was a he wanted to be wide receiver at the University of Alabama Nick Saban said no come be corner instead and in the past three seasons he's led the NFL in interceptions and no one wants to throw to him because of his great hands but now they got to pick their poison just like how the offense is either throw it to Gilmore who is a great great uh corner in his own right he's top 10 i believe uh pro football focus put him number nine or trayvon diggs who's a great ball hawk you gotta pick so i think this defense is gonna be great we got donovan wilson back at strong safety uh, uh javon curse back and free linebacker core is back we got our front four ready to go so i'm very very excited can the season start now actually no before we get there that's not even including the draft 
That's not including the NFL draft coming up. And I think with how Jerry Jones went about it this coming year, now all we have to do is just get the best person available. I think that's going to be, I think that's just a breath of fresh air because we won't have to solely try to get, um, you know, some sort of player or we don't have to focus on just getting a corner, just getting a wide receiver, possibly having to trade away our pick to move up or move back or whatever we want to do. I think that now we're in a better position. A lot of holes have been filled. I think that if we want to go get Bijan, if he falls to us, then he'd be a great addition just to have him, you know, in case Ronald Jones doesn't work out, maybe an offensive lineman in case Tyler, you know, uh, Tyrone Smith or anyone else goes down, uh, Terrence Steele, because I know he got injured last year. That, you know, that's always another idea. If you want to try to build up more wide receivers because of Jalen Tolper not working out, you can always do that. If you want to get another corner or a linebacker, we have a lot of options going into the first round come April. And I'm very excited. I'm very happy to hear that because, you know, for a long time, Dallas Cowboy fans, and including myself, I'm wondering, why don't we go get free agents? Why don't we go trade for people? And now Jerry Jones has finally heard our calls, our prayers on what we wanted to do, and he's finally doing it. So now I'm very excited for the season to come up this upcoming September, and I hope you guys are too. Moving on to the next thing, NFL stuff going on. Hey everyone, I just want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce our next sponsor, Goldmine Collectibles. Goldmine Collectibles is a local Lubbock store located right off of 50th Street and University. Mine Collectibles sells a variety of things such as Funko Pops, wrestling figures, Pokemon cards, comic books, and more. As an example that I bought from Goldmine Collectibles is this awesome Cody Rhodes Double or Nothing Championship figure that they had in the store. And if you guys see the Funko Pops that I have right behind me, some of them are actually from Goldmine Collectibles. Ever in the market for Funko Pops, comic books, Pokemon cards, wrestling figures, and more. Make sure you guys head on over to Goldmine Collectibles. Thank you guys for sponsoring today's video. And now, back to the episode. NFL stuff going on. Verse 1 has been talked all over Twitter. It's been talked all over the Pat McAfee show. ESPN First Take. Undisputed. Speak. You name it, they've talked about it. Lamar Jackson is going to make a YouTube video to talk about what's going on. I don't get what's going on with Lamar Jackson anymore. I'm just going to flat out say it. I'm not sure what he's doing. I'm not sure what the heck is happening. Because there's been a lot of speculation about what, you know, what he was offered. He wants this amount of guaranteed money. He doesn't want that much guaranteed money. He wants a long-term contract. He only wants a three-year contract. There's been so many stories from so many NFL insiders, people that talk to Lamar Jackson, people that know the Baltimore Ravens. There's been a lot of speculation and no one has confirmed or denied anything from both parties. Lamar hasn't said anything and neither has the Baltimore organization and it's just getting frustrating because we want to know what's going to happen. Like, what are you guys going to do? And Lamar Jackson announced that he will be making a YouTube video explaining about explaining everything and what's going on. As of this recording for this podcast, there has been no announcements, no uh, video postage, nothing. So nothing has been reported as of this recording right now, I know probably if the, whenever the video goes out on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, all that good stuff, it'll probably be announced already. I know he said this week he's going to get it up and going, but I mean, Lamar Jackson, I hope you answer some questions because I want to know what's going on too. Are you staying with with Baltimore with the franchise tag, the non-exclusive franchise tag, or you want to go somewhere else? And I think that this is just, you know, going crazy and I think it's starting to hurt Lamar Jackson a little bit more because it's, you know, I don't, it's just because we don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. And I think that Lamar Jackson taking it this far, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, great that he's trying to get his money. I really support it. You know, I've been a supporter of Lamar Jackson getting paid, even when he got injured, you know, it was still like, you see what, you know, if you give him the guaranteed money, at least he'll come back. You don't have to worry about possibly having to go with Tyler Shutley or whatever, you know, whoever you want to go with. But with Lamar Jackson doing this, and now with possibly a YouTube video coming out, and who knows who wants him at this point for how much he's asking or how much he's not asking, I think there's just too much confusion going on with the Lamar Jackson case. And it's just hopefully this video can explain a lot of things, and that way we can go about it and figure out what's going on with Lamar or what's going on with the organization. I know there's been, you know, the Baltimore Ravens offered him a three-year contract with like a hundred million guaranteed or something like that. You know, and he's saying that's not what they gave me, and I don't. Or people are saying he didn't want that contract when he's like, that's not even true. It's like it's kind of like what happened with Odell 
Beckham. Everyone was saying that Odell Beckham wants 20 million guaranteed. And he's like, no, I never, I don't know who said that, but I didn't say I wanted 20 million. I just said, I don't want only $4 million, which we'll talk about the Odell thing in the next episode, just because I feel like there's a lot we have to talk about right now. And I want to get to, but we'll get, we'll get into Odell uh, next episode. So make sure you guys tune in for that one. And with Lamar Jackson though, you know, we, we just want to know what's going on. And the compensation that is the biggest question mark from both parties is just, it's just been the talk of this off season. And the crazy thing is, is that he can talk to other teams in a sense, but I think just, you know, him representing himself or his mom doing it, whoever's representing him is just, it's being a hassle in my opinion. And I think that this is going on farther along than it should because the Baltimore Ravens don't want to give up a lot of money for Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson knows that he has earned that money, especially if you think about who's coming up for contracts. Joe Burrow is coming up for a contract. Justin Herbert is coming up for a contract. Jalen Hurts is coming up for a contract. And if any of those people get a good size contract, Daniel Jones just got a big contract, $45 million a year for three years, I believe, or however much they said it was. And he's thinking, I'm way better than Daniel Jones, and he got a deal. So now, you know, Lamar's, you know, trying, you know, getting frustrated. I think the organization for the Baltimore Ravens is getting frustrated with that they that they cannot meet in the middle. And I think that's just the biggest concern of, you know, of this offseason is that no one's meeting in the middle. It's a lot of speculation on the price tag. And I think with this YouTube video that Lamar Jackson wants to put out, like I said, as of this recording, there has not been any kind of update or news that the video ever got released i know he said later this week it will be dropped and we'll go from there so i think that with that in mind we just have to wait and see i will say i don't know if this is a hot take or not but this is my personal opinion he should have an agent i think that he should have signed an agent at this point because he does he didn't want to because he didn't want to pay the three percent so like three percent of 20 million is like or something like that. It was like $6 million or something like that, how much you had to pay. Regardless of how much it was, he didn't want to pay it, so he said, I'll represent myself. I think at this point, it would have been money well spent because he would have had a deal done already because they would have had the agent that was the middle person for the organization, the Baltimore Ravens, and Lamar Jackson. You know, he can come in and say, hey, you know, hey, Lamar told me that he can... He'll take a little less. He'll take $100 million guarantee. You don't need to give him Deshaun Watson money, all that good stuff. And I think that's another big thing is that the organizations don't want to, because of the Brown stupidity of giving Deshaun Watson all that money, now everyone's going to expect that's what Lamar should get. And I think that's what the big thing with these organizations are doing is not, not that they don't want to give Lamar Jackson all that money. It's just they don't want that to be the norm of quarterbacks getting paid that kind of money. So now when we look at that, and kind of see what's going on. That's exactly what's, you know, what I think is transpiring here between the two parties. But the agent would at least help get that thing, uh, kind of get that system going. And another thing that was reported was that uh, people from Lamar Jackson's team that are non-NFLPA approved are trying to reach out to teams. And the biggest problem is tampering. That's the biggest issue with that because teams can lose a first or a second round pick if that happens and at least if he would have had an agent that was approved by the nflpa he would not be having this issue a big court case that was an example was rod was uh roquan smith in chicago whenever that whole scandal thing came out and his you know his agent he had to fire him at the end of it it, it was a it was a mess and you don't want that to happen and you don't want a team to lose a one a number one pick and a second round pick at least if he had an agent you know he can go you know, in the back alley and try to talk to these owners, you know, kind of get in people's ear and tell them, hey, he'll take a little less money. That's what he told me. We just need to get this deal done and going. And he doesn't have to worry about it. That's the whole point of him hiring an agent is so that way he can handle it. All he has to do is worry about what's going on in the field is, you know, mental health, physical health, all that good stuff he can worry about and all the money and the compensation, the contract. And in my opinion, I think if he did sign, if he did hire an agent, this deal would have been done. We would have been done talking about this whole, you know, situation with the payment. I think this would have been already finished. We've already been done with this. We would have been done with the conversation. And now we would have debated who, if the if that was the right amount of money he should have taken and that's how much they should have gave him. But to wrap it up, Lamar Jackson, I hope you can kind of give us a little bit of insight, a little bit more of what's going on between you and the Baltimore Ravens. And I would say fruit, uh, just word of advice, get an agent. 
I think just pay the money. I think it's more of a money well spent kind of uh, investment just because it's going to help him in the long run. So that way he's not doing this by himself. And especially, you know, if he tries to talk to teams, it's going to be even harder or they won't let him because he's not NFL PA approved, at least agency wise. And it's going to be a bigger hassle when he wants to try to go talk to another team, at least that way. And we still have to keep in mind that the Ravens can match the price that someone offers or the team would have to give up two first round draft picks. So we have to keep that in mind. And I'm sure that's what a lot of organizations are keeping in mind is either, you know, we offer them this money and trade the two first picks or Baltimore kind of finds a good pricey point and they match it and they don't get Lamar in that regard. So I think that's a lot, what a lot of teams are keeping in mind going forward about the Lamar Jackson situation. Next up, the Carolina Panthers uh, traded for the number one pick about two weeks ago. And this question kind of came up on a, a debate show, and I was very interested in kind of talking about this. Should have the Carolina Panthers traded for Lamar Jackson instead, or was it smarter to get the number one pick in the draft? In my opinion, in my opinion, I think the Baltimore, I think the, not the Baltimore, I believe the Carolina Panthers made the right decision here. The reason why is because Carolina, I understand they gave up DJ Moore and a lot of draft capital for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, which right now it's looking like it's a, it's a coin flip between the two quarterbacks. But the biggest thing is that how much money that supposedly Lamar Jackson is asking for in guarantees or what he's not asking, regardless of that whole situation, the Carolina Panthers would have to fork up a lot of money. On top of that, trade their number one pick this year and next year to Baltimore. And, you know, kind of thinking of it that way, money-wise, and maybe saving on a first-round pick next year or, like, figuring that whole thing out, at least that's a little bit better to work with than paying, you know, losing a lot of money in the salary cap or going over the cap. And, you know, getting Lamar Jackson would be great, but also if they want to try to bring in other people, you know, to help them out, I think that's another thing that the team that the Carolina Panthers took into consideration before hitting into the draft. And I think it's a smarter move. Because you don't have to pay so much for C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young to come in. You can still sign some offensive weapons. They sign Adam Thielen, which we'll get to him in a minute. And we also sign, and they also sign Miles Sanders. And, you know, they have a decent defense that can hold, you know, they can kind of hold their own. And they have, they play in a really weak division this upcoming year in the NFC South. So it's not a bad situation that Carolina's in. I think it's just more of they didn't want to break the bank getting Lamar Jackson you know, when they could just give up draft capital and DJ Moore, try to sign someone in free agency and then go from there, especially since Adam Thielen was available. So I think the Carolina Panthers played this smart, especially if they were not wanting to spend a lot of money and give up two first round draft picks. They'd rather just go get the number one pick overall, solidify that they get a quarterback for sure. Because we also got to keep that in mind. Like I said earlier, the Ravens can always match the offer that Carolina gave them, like, so say they gave them an offer, you know, however much a year, let's say about 40 million a year, and that's this 180 million guaranteed. Let's say that as an example. That's not what they offered them, but let's say that's an example. The Baltimore Ravens could always turn around and say, you know what, we like that deal. We will match it. Now you don't get Lamar Jackson. And then now they got to try to go get a quarterback, which is another predicament that they would be in because they have the ninth overall pick in the draft. None of the top four quarterbacks that are projected to get picked, Bryce, CJ, Will, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, will all be gone by the time the ninth round pick comes up. And I think that was something also Baltimore kind of looked into is also like kind of where they're going to be in the draft because they need to go get a quarterback. A lot of quarterbacks are gone right now in free agency because they haven't signed anybody or they're, you know, super confident in their backups that they have. They haven't really thought about that. So I think that was another thing they took into consideration is that they would not be able to get a quarterback. They may be able to get like a wide receiver or someone on defense, whatever they want to do with that pick. And I think that was another thing they kind of took into consideration when people were offering these things. And I think that Carolina still went the right route, just giving the ninth overall pick to Chicago, since Chicago can use that for something else. They can use it for an old lineman, defense, whatever they want to do. They can always use that pick for that another area that they need that's not a quarterback, or, or, you know, anything super crazy. So I think that they played it right, especially since they need a quarterback right now. Sam Darnold is gone. P.J. Walker is gone. They need a quarterback, and I think this is the best route they took, saving money. 
I know the draft capital is gone, but they saved money. They just signed a wide receiver, another running back. They have a they have a solid defense, and I think this is and also whoever comes in, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, is going to be a great quarterback to kind of revolve their team around, and it's very exciting to see. But speaking of the keep pounding nation, they signed wide receiver Adam Thielen to a three year contract. I like this pickup. I really do. I think that the Vikings releasing Adam Thielen was a mistake. I think they should have not released him because, yes, Justin Jefferson is hands down a generational talent. I believe he's probably the closest thing to Randy Moss in the Vikings organization that they've seen. But Adam Thielen was such a great wide receiver. He got a I think he had like one of the biggest contracts. Uh, I think he had the biggest wide receiver contract in NFL history. And he had one of the biggest contracts overall in the NFL for a while. He's great. I think he still has potential to be a number one wide receiver. He was a number one for a while. Let's look at some of the stats he did. So before Justin Jefferson arrived, he had about 323 catches, over 4,000 yards receiving, and 27 touchdowns in total. That was before... Justin Jefferson arrived. When Justin Jefferson arrived and got drafted, he was supposed to help out Adam Thielen, not replace him. And now that, you know, he's he's a great wide receiver, and I can't believe the Philadelphia Eagles passed up on him and chose Jalen Rager. I think that's still funny. But they he came in, and now Adam Thielen is overshadowed because these are his numbers from 2022. 70 catches, 706 yards, and six touchdowns. In 2020, when Justin Jefferson arrived, 74 catches, 925 yards, and 14 touchdowns. So I think that, you know, with these numbers, it's kind of like with Brandon Cooks. I thought Adam Thielen was still a great wide receiver. I think he was just overshadowed. He became, uh, Justin Jefferson became Kirk Cousins' favorite target, uh, now aside of TJ Hawkinson coming in. I think that it took the ball away from Adam Thielen. Now Adam Thielen got released. I still don't agree with it. I think they should have worked out a deal with him or at least traded him. I think they would have got something if they traded Adam Thielen, but... In any case, I think that this is a great signing. This is very helpful, especially since DJ Moore was traded to the Bears for the number one pick, along with a bunch of other draft picks that went along with him. This is definitely going to help either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, whoever's coming to Carolina, because now they have a, a wide receiver who was a number one for a while. He knows what to do, and now Frank Wright has, a, has another offensive weapon he can use with Miles Sanders. I think now they should probably try to go get a wide receiver too, just to help out, just to help out the offense a little bit. And maybe if they want to get an offensive lineman to try to protect CJ or Bryce Young, if they want to use any of their other picks for that. But I think that with Adam Thielen coming in, it's going to be a fantastic help for Carolina and whoever that new quarterback is. So congratulations to Adam Thielen for joining the Carolina Panthers. Keep pounding. Next up. The New England Patriots signed wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. I think this is a good signing overall because, you know, Juju was a number one after Antonio Brown left. I think he was emerging as a star in Pittsburgh until the whole TikTok thing went crazy. He corvetted everywhere. That was not a great look for anybody. And that was, and I think that he still has, you know, potential to be great. Some of his numbers for his time in Kansas City was 78 catches, 933 yards, and three touchdowns. I still think because the way Kansas City ran their offense last season without Tyreek Hill, they didn't have that number one deep deep threat. I think that with Patrick Mahomes being able to pass the ball around a little bit more, they, he was able to be a little bit more successful or at least you know get some good looks and good targets. He did help you know get you know help him in the playoff run and a little bit in the Super Bowl. So I think that with Juju Smith coming in, it's going to help New England, especially since they since Jacoby Myers is gone. He was there. They were. He was their number one wide receiver last season. So now, at least replacing with Juju Smith-Schuster, a veteran, is going to definitely go a long way for New England, especially since they don't really have the best track record of drafting number one, uh, drafting, you know, really good wide receivers. Nikhil, Nikhil was an example of that. He didn't really work out. They had to go get Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry to help him out. And, you know, they ended up overshadowing him. Jacoby Meyer took overshadow him. And that's kind of like what I'm getting at here is New England – you know they they need a number one they need a wide receiver to at least help them out and now that Matt Patricia's not calling the offense anymore it's going to be a little bit more useful maybe they can open up the playbook for him especially since they just got Mike Gesicki with Hunter Henry that's going to be a great tight end duo in the in the AFC so I think that's very exciting if you're a New England fan but congratulations New England you just got Juju Smith-Schuster and he is going to be a Patriot next up our 
friends down in Houston signed tight end Dalton Schultz. They signed him to a one-year deal. I think this is like I think it's a little bit of a weird situation. Not because of Dalton Schultz not being a good tight end, and I think he's really great. He was a good security blanket for Dak Prescott. He's known as the New York Giants killer. He just had always had a big game against the New York Giants. I think, you know, he was a stellar tight end. I wish that we would have made a deal. But it was actually reported that he had a three-year contract deal. He left on the table to go to Houston. I guess he thought he would have gotten a bigger contract from somewhere else, and he didn't. So I think that that was kind of the backfire from that. But he's still going to be good. I think he's still a great tight end. He could block very decently. He could definitely run routes. He can make catches. You know, we, we saw it for the past few years in Dallas. He He's a great tight end. I just think that he him being franchise tagged twice would have definitely hurt the salary cap for the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm not very surprised that he went somewhere else because we weren't going to be able to afford him, especially since we just franchise tagged uh, Tony Pollard, bringing in... You know, bring, bringing Leighton Vanderish back, Donovan Wilson, Dante Fowler, trading for Brandon Cooks and Gilmore. You get the idea. We may have not been able to afford him. So with that, the Texans add another good, great weapon for that offense. And DeMarco Ryan has another star, star offensive player to help out either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, whoever's coming in. And I think that I think it's probably going to be CJ. I, I'm not sure anymore. There's a lot of toss up between the two quarterbacks who's going to get drafted number one. But I think that that's a great addition to the offense, especially since I believe they got David Montgomery, I believe. Oh, no, no, they got uh, Del uh, Devin Singletary. I'm sorry about that. They just got Devin Singletary from the Bills. So I think that they're trying to at least build this offense at least well enough or at least get them in a good position. And they can't get any worse, right? Especially with a top, top quarterback coming in. So we'll see what happens with the Texans. But congratulations to Dalton Schultz for going to the Texans. And you're welcome, Houston Texans. Now, last thing to talk about for the episode today, Cam Newton. He threw at the Aub Auburn Pro Day yesterday, and he said that there ain't 32 people better than him. I don't agree. I don't agree. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Cam Newton. Actually, when he went to New England, I tried to convince people that I think he's going to help out New England. Clearly, I was wrong. So... Just kind of seeing like after his 2015 season and he got hurt and all this other stuff that happened, I think that it was just he felt he felt he kind of started going down on a downward slope and that's exactly what happened and now he is where he is. And I think another issue with this whole go, now he wants to come back in the league now, it's a little too little too late because a lot of teams just signed starting quarterbacks. You know that needed a quarterback. I think really the only one realistically if they want to. In, in a fantasy world, go get him. Maybe the Jets if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come through. Because I, I probably think that, you know, anyone will be better than Zach Wilson at this point. So, I just, I don't see him. I mean, I saw the video of him throwing the little highlights. And he threw to his brother that goes to Auburn. I didn't see anything that popped out. It was, like, kind of the same thing, like, with Colin Kaepernick whenever he had his throw day and he had his tryout for Seattle. And I saw the clips of it. Nothing really screamed, oh my god, we gotta bring in Cam Newton, you know, to help us out. We gotta bring it we gotta bring him in. He's gonna change the organization. He's not. Maybe if it was like 2015 MVP Super Bowl appearance Cam Newton, I think it'd be a whole nother story. But even you know, even like last season when he was here, he didn't he didn't do great. I believe he had like more interceptions than he did touchdowns. I mean he had that iconic moment screaming screaming I'm back at everybody and it still didn't work out he still got released by he still didn't get picked up again by the Carolina Panthers they still went with Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold they thought PJ Walker was a better option than him so you can see that people don't think that I don't think he's you know as great as he used to be I agree he was a great player when he first came into the league you know and he took over in 2015 but now I, I just don't see it I can I would rather go with maybe some other quarterbacks even if it's a game manager I'd rather go with them than Cam Newton. He was benched in 2020 for Mac Jones whenever he's with New England because, you know, he wasn't great. He had a good game against Seattle whenever they got stopped and they lost the game, but he I thought he had a great game. He had potential, but it just it didn't work out. And then he came he tried to revive it back in Carolina, didn't work out again, and they still didn't have a solid, you know, a concrete direct quarterback that they wanted. And Cam Newton wasn't that answer at all so i think that this is not really a waste of time i guess it's a great way to try to get him back in the league but i don't think he's a starter material anymore not like how he used to be if he wants to come back in the league he's gonna have to probably t take a 
backup quarterback spot. And I think the personality that he has, he won't be a backup quarterback. He'd be great if, like, Trey Lance and Brock Purdy both got hurt and Sam Darnold didn't work. Maybe you can go try to sign Cam Newton to add a little depth to the quarterback spot. But other than that, I don't really see him coming back in the league anytime soon. I don't think that maybe teams are very gun-ho to get him. I don't think it's like one of those situations where Cam Newton's still available on the market. Let's go get him. I know there was one point where some people thought maybe Cowboys should go get Cam Newton just in case Cooper Rush didn't work out. You know, he was available, but he wasn't going to be a backup quarterback to Dak Prescott. He was for sure not going to be a backup to Cooper Rush. So I think that's just something that, you know, I don't know if it's in his inner circle or who it is that's telling him, hey, like you can still make it in the league. I think maybe like, Five, six years ago, yes, but now, not so much. I don't think he'd be able to, you know, do it anymore. I mean, he had a great career, rookie of the year, MVP, went to the Super Bowl, but right now, I don't really realistically see a team signing Cam Newton. You know, maybe they, he wants to be a backup, yes, but I knowing him, he's going to say, no, I want to be a starter. And I'm sorry, but there's a, probably about 30 other quarterbacks I go with, you know, a side of him is probably what I'm going with here. But, you know, congrats to you for trying to get back in the NFL. But I'm sorry, Cam. I think you're going to probably be a backup quarterback if you do decide to return. But alrighty, everybody, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. This video will go up on YouTube. It will also be on Spotify and Amazon Music if you guys listen there. Make sure to follow me on all my social medias, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at CAV Sports or the CAV Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.